Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we start Parsha's Va'era. This is the first Aliyah Rishon and our Aliyah is 12 Psukim, running from Perek Vov Pasuk Beis to Yud Gimel. The Parsha as a whole is 121 Psukim. Let's take a look at the summary of this Aliyah and then we'll delve into some questions, some points to ponder. So Hashem speaks to Moshe or Elohim speaks to Moshe with the name of Elohim and he says, Ani Hashem, I'm, and this is the Shem Havaya, the Shem, the name Yud Hey and then a Vov and then a Hey. And he says, I appeared to Avram, to Yitzhak, and to Yaakov with the name Kel Shakai, um, but I did not tell them the Shem Avaya, the name of the Yud and the Hay. Um, I did not tell, express myself in that way to them. And I established a covenant with them to give them the land which they dwelt in. And I've also heard the cries of the nation of Israel in Mitzrayim, in Egypt, and I've remembered my covenant. So therefore, it is your responsibility to tell Israel that I am Hashem and I will take them out. And I will save them, save them from this from this uh, this oppression. I will redeem them with an outstretched arm, and I will take them to be my people, and they will be to me as a um, as a, and I'll be to them as their God. Um, and then I will bring them to the land which I promised to them, and it will be the place where they will reside. Moshe Rabbeinu responds to um, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu goes and he says this to the nation of Israel. They don't listen to Moshe because of a lack of of, of breath and um, strong and hard breaking, hard back breaking labor. So then Hashem says to Moshe, "Go to speak to Pharaoh, and he will set up a Israel." And Moshe says, hey, "Look, how if B'nai Israel won't listen to me? How will Pharaoh listen to me? Because I'm Aral Svasayim. I am." Uh, a one who has difficulty of speech. So Hashem tells Moshe and Aaron to go and he commands them to go and speak to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So a lot of interesting things to think about in our parsha. There's lots of to do with the names of Hashem. So what do the different names of Hashem mean as expressed in this Aliyah? So we hear first Hashem expressing himself as Elohim and explaining how he is um, Shem Havaya, but uh, the Avois, the patriarchs, only received the, re- the revelation of Kel Shakai. What does this all mean? Rashi explains that this is coming on the tale of the last parasha, where Moshe Rabbeinu had asked Hashem, wait a second, you sent me to free the people. I came in, made my request. Once I made my demands, the, um, I, I, the, the, the labor was increased by the removal of the supply, making it much more difficult. So I've only increased the problem for B'nai Yisrael. I've not made any solutions. So Moshe Rabbeinu was claiming, Why do you make it so bad? In response to that, this is what's happening now. Rashi explains that the name Hashem is Ne'eman, Neshalim, Sachar, Tov, Lamahalchim, Lafonai. I am Hashem. I will repay the reward to those who do what I do, uh, what, what I say, and therefore don't question it in this short-term experience. And he goes on to reprimand him by saying, I only appeared to the Avos in the name Kel Shakai, which is a lesser expression of myself in this world, and they didn't question me even though there were questions which came up. That means they had a greater level of trust. Reprimanding Moshe. The Sforno says that the name Kel Shakai refers to Hashem as his involvement in the creation of the world. But the Shem Havaya, the name that Hashem is now expressing himself with to Moshe Rabbeinu, is not just Hashem who created the world, but Hashem who continues to run the world, who continues to establish the world. So what he is saying is, is I'm going to tell you that I'm involved. This is not just what was, and the, the, the patriarchs understood this. But you should understand that I run this entire show and there's a plan over here, is what's being said to, to Moshe, as the Svarna understands. The Zayim Latara of Saratskin explains 
that this is a polemic on dualism. In, in many of the, the um, uh, polytheistic or the pre previous um, iterations of, um, of paganism, the idea of dualism or polytheism is the idea that really there are, just, there are forces of evil and there are forces of good. And therefore, when anything evil happens, you don't blame it on the all-good um, deity or power in the world. It must be belonging to the rubric of powers that are evil. And so the, what is being expressed over here is Ani Hashem is that I am in control of all the forces in this world. And, and, and therefore everything, even the things you don't, don't understand, also come from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So be careful the way you question it, is what's being expressed over here. Hashem is putting Moshe Rabbeinu into uh, giving perspective on the question that he asked as well. We hear in this idea very, very famously four expressions of redemption, what's called Arba Lashonas Shel Geula. And they are V'Hotsesi, V'Hitzalti, V'Goalti, V'Lokachti, I will take out, I will save, I will redeem, and I will take to me as a nation. Those are the four expressions which are in this, uh, in this Aliyah. They are in fact the form formulation as the Gemara Psachim tells us for the fact that we have four cups of wine on the night of Pesach as a reflection of these expressions as is explained. Um, and the question is, is what do they represent? Why are there four of them? So the Sorno explains that it refers to four different stages. First there's the ending of the oppression, then there's leaving Egypt, then there's the splitting of the sea, and there's Har Sinai. These are the four stages. The Baal HaTorim explains that perhaps it refers to the four future exiles. So Hashem is saying that Egypt is going to be the archetype of all redemptions, and so therefore all future redemptions will be included in this notion of me freeing you in this way. The Torah to makes it clear, actually, that it is important to understand that this is not for Arba Lashonas Shel It doesn't mean four different ways of describing the same redemption, because then we wouldn't have four cups for the same issue. Rather, he says, as explained by the Svarna, it takes time. Every stage of the Geula is going to come sequentially and at its own period of time. The, the, the Torah Tamimah, Rabbi Epstein explains, and it's important to realize this, because some, it's, uh, sometimes when we experience Geula, we expect it to be one huge moment, and everything comes clean and clear at that moment. And that's not the realistic version of Geula. The realistic version of Geula takes time, and that's something which is reflective on our times too as well. Right, Jonathan Sachs points out that in fact there is a missing fifth over here. Now there really are five expressions of Geula, and that is Vehevesi, and I'll bring the nation of Israel to the land of Israel. This is reflective in the, in the Haggadah of another missing fifth in other areas as well. The number four seems to play a paramount role at the night of the Seder. Um, and that is, we see also that there are four sons, and that there are four psukim quoted in Arami Avod Avi, and there are four cups, and the four expressions of redemption. But as is clear with the, by the four expressions of redemption, the fifth one is missing, which is the expression of coming to the land of Israel, which is the full redemption. That's also the missing fifth pasuk in Arami Avod Avi, which is also about how the, the farmer describes during the Bikurim ceremony that he is brought to the land of Israel. Also, as um, Lubavitch Rebbe famously says that the fifth son is the son who's not at the table, who's beyond even the She'ani Yodea Lishol. That the reason why at the Seder we're, we're limited to the scope of four is because really, in fact, we're not at the full redemption. We're waiting for that time where we get to see the Vahavesi in our lives as well. Now, let's focus on a different part of the Aliyah, which is the end. Moshe Rabbeinu it tries to speak to the nation of Israel. They don't listen to him because of Kotze Ruach and Avodah Kasha. So the problem that the Rashbam raises 
um, Rabbeinu Shmuel, is that they believed in Moshe beforehand, via Amen Ha'am. So why are they not believing now? What changed that they are now not able to hear Moshe Rabbeinu's message? So three basic suggestions. The Rashbam himself suggests that um, that the work got so hard they lost their, resolu- their, their, their resolute perspective. Pharaoh wanted them to... Uh, to uh, um, um, work extremely hard, they're now they're now going home, uh, you know, after at the eleven thirteen train, and it's and they're going to get it, arriving at work at five a.m. They just they can't believe you can't believe when when you're so frenetically involved. Show you, uh, that's the, the idea the Rashbam says. The Mincha Belula has a very interesting observation, which is a, which is a very fascinating observation, and that is is that the Kotzeruah could be a reflection on Moshe Rabenu as well himself, meaning there's an element of exasperation which we hear in Moshe Rabenu. And it's very hard to be able to sell an idea if you yourself are not fully sold. If it's very difficult for you to see the resolution. Moshe Rabbeinu has expressed that in an empathetic way. He says to Hashem, Why did you do so badly? And with that perspective, if there's even somewhat of a doubt, it's very hard to find followers as well. That's what's going on over here as well. Um, Daniel Pink has a book called To Sell is Human. We are always selling an idea. We're selling a way of life by who we are. And if we don't fully, 100%, if we're not, if we have doubts in it, it, people and sense that it's harder to sell. So Kotzerach could be a reflection that way. There's another and third option over here, and that is, is the Medrash Rabbah describes that before Moshe Rabbeinu came, they, they, they were um, able to take a day off, and they were able to read Megillos, certain commentaries or parchments. What does that mean exactly? So the MS Lyakov, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, explains in one of the first essays in, in Pasha's Va'era that what were these Megillos exactly? What were they reading? You know, the Nile Times, what did they have available to them? So he explains that there were certain Mizmore Tehillim which were written before the time of Matan Torah, for example. Um, we, we hear about um, Mizmor Shir Yamashabas is written by, um, Moshe, uh, by Adam Arishan. Um, there are certain things which are, which are written earlier on. Um, and um, we have um, Eov is a book which is written according to Gemara Baba Basra beforehand. We also hear perhaps Mizmor um, um, Tzadi Beis. There's a number of Mizmor. I mean, the interesting thing about all of them is they're all about the Odyssey and justice in the world where there is evil, where things don't seem to make sense and our trust in Hashem. And so when they had to work harder, they no longer had that day off. And if they didn't have that day off, they didn't have time to reflect on these theological questions. If you don't have a why, then it becomes very hard to do any how. And so their Shabbos, their, their day of rest, was that time to give perspective, and therefore the backbreaking labor they had to do became tolerable with that reasoning and that logic. Taking that logic away was precisely of, of the Pharaoh's plan, because now they could no longer live through the, un, uh, the unbearable labor without that why. With this, we close the first Aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful